0: Kelda, you're listening to Speak Out Radio on 106.1 FM. I'm your host today, Compass, and I use they, them pronouns, and I'm here today with.
1: Will Hanson, and I use he, him pronouns. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you're here today for a really special reason. So can you tell us why you are here today?
1: So I'm here today uh, because... Uh, thank you so much for inviting me here today, by <laughs> the way, uh, to speak on, on the radio. I'm very excited. Um, I'm here today because I've been very lucky to have been contracted by TAPAPA to create a kind of trans museum project. It's called Trans Past, Trans Present, Making Trans. histories, Um, and basically the idea is that we're going to get a whole bunch of trans people to come together with objects of personal significance to them, photograph those objects, get them to write stories about those objects, and then those are going to go online, onto Papa, um, live to be shared with the world as a kind of like slideshow that helps preserve those histories, Um, and yeah, just like share those stories and kind of underscore the fact that trans stories are important uh trans people are real and have <laughs> been here a long time they are going to be here a long time yeah. we exist um and you know having uh to papa um want to preserve trans stories in that way um even if it's just through online through photographs and stuff is just a really cool thing so that's yeah.
0: yeah oh it's so cool and i'm really happy that i'm involved with that as well because it's sort of um it feels nice to be like this is a part really important part of me and it's actually going to go into the future and it like you know cool. it's going to exist and that sort of thing and as well i think it's like at the moment it's a really cool time where we're seeing a lot of trans history coming back like mm. there was a Carmen exhibition down mm. at the portrait gallery um with like oh who was it that made the collages was it
1: chrissy we took her.
0: yeah um and I, I went and saw it and i looked at them and i was like I was looking through them and I was like, this is so awesome. Like this yeah. happened during like, you know, the eighties and nineties and the, years, yeah.
1: 60s, seventies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I was like, it's just so cool to be able to see people that like, I don't personally know, but yeah. we share something in common, which Friends is. Sisters. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's so cool. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about like what your role is and how you got involved in this?
1: Yeah, so so how I got involved, so um, I'm I'm currently doing my masters in history and for my masters I'm looking at trans history in Aotearoa, New Zealand, uh, focusing on the 1970s, 1980s, uh, which has been so fantastic and as part of my undergrad degree when I kind of finally got the free reign to start looking into New Zealand's queer history, um, I did an internship paper which wound me up at the uh, National Library, creating a queer history research guide for them. And that was the best experience ever. It was so awesome. The internship was fantastic. Uh, And through that placement at the National Library, I came into contact with the Lesbian and Gay Archives and I became a trustee of the Lesbian and Gay Archives, which was really awesome. They were kind of like, we really need more young members and more trans members. And I was sitting there like, hmm, (laughs) guess who ticks both of those boxes? So I'd been involved with them and I'd kind of been really lucky uh, to get those opportunities and to write that queer history research guide which is on the National Library website and I'd been doing kind of these bits of study about trans history in Aotearoa um, and I got, then I got this email from the curatorial team at Tapapa, which like the, the three of the history curators, which like for someone studying history and who used to go to Te Papa every weekend when he was a kid, that's like, <laughs> the, I was like, what? And they were like, oh, we really want to get coffee with you. And I was like, what? This is so cool. So I got coffee with them um, and they were so lovely and they were just saying that they kind of every year they try and focus on an area of the collection that they feel they need to improve. Mm -hmm. And this year they decided that they had some trans uh, items in their collection, but they really wanted to figure out better ways that they can do more trans collecting and support trans communities. So I'd been in contact with them because they'd seen my queer history research guide that I wrote for the National Library website. And they were interested in me because not only was I a trans young person, but I was a trans young person who kind of had been studying this history and knew about kind of the different languages that have been used Mm. over time and stuff. So we had had interesting talks about that. And then they kind of came up with the idea for this program and they were like, hey, we really want this to be trans-led and you're trans, (laughs) 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 what do you think? And that was the best day ever. (laughs)
0: Like, write that one down as, like, best day of my life ever. (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. And I think as well, it's so um, nice to know that it's actually, like, trans-led. It's not just, like, cis people being, like, I I mean, I guess, like, if you have anything of significance of, like, it's actually, like, for and about Mm. trans people by trans people, which is, like, I think it's very comforting in a way, knowing that, like, we're being heard by, like, our own people, which is so... So nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And we've been really, um, like, kind of, to Papa, when they approached me with this project, um, their first priority and my first priority, too, was making sure we talked to various organisations in the community. So, obviously, Gender Minorities Aotearoa is mm-hmm. our, like, trans advocacy organisation, uh, Transform, um, a trans youth group, um, Inside Out, because there's a lot of trans people who Ayo. are members of Inside Out, obviously. Um, and... Inside Out were really great because when I contacted them, they were like, we definitely want to make sure this is trans-led, not cis-led. And obviously this is a like, trans and cis organization, so that was really cool. And it's been so lovely working with the lovely trans people of Inside <laughs> Out and their cis helpers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then also uh, with some of the elders, trans elders who are part of Tifana Fana, um, have been amazingly supportive. Uh, so that's, so it's been, it's been really important to me to reach out to various parts of the community mm-hmm. um, and kind of, yeah, try and find those people who aren't necessarily um, part of even trans community organizations, but who are trans and, mm. you know, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so I think it's it's really cool, and I was really really comforted the way that Tapapa kind of approached me about it, and the way that they talk about it is just so onto it. And they're so cool. Um, I work with Ellie Holland. I should say Ellie Holland is like the um, public programming's team member who is the person I've been working with on this project, and she's been fantastic. So <laughs> it's really really cool. Um, and I should I should say should I say that yes. we're having a so if, if anyone is listening to this and is trans you can be any kind of trans but yeah. trans any, gender diverse anything. Yeah. anything yeah. as long as you're not cis yeah. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> uh if you want to have an object of yours photographed and your object and the story of that object put online uh, onto Papa's online platform. Then you are welcome to come along to our public drop-in, which is uh, in Hina level 4 of Te Papa, on Friday the 8th of November from 4 till 6pm. And then the actual event itself, we're going to have an event that's kind of like a launch party where everyone can come and... Uh, share all of the stories that we've collected together and invite people who've given their stories to come up on stage and share those if they want to um and that is on the 17th of november uh to, oh, sorry uh, at uh and mahuki which is level two to papa cable street uh from four thirty p.m to 6 30 p.m uh saturday uh, sunday sorry sunday 17th november <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so that'll be really cool and you can go on to papa's website and all the information's there it's just making transitions I think is the yeah
0: yeah so yeah Uh, I'm really (laughs) excited I'm really excited thank you (laughs) have you got an object I do I actually have it here in the studio do you want to talk about it it? um yeah I guess why not? I guess why not um so basically I'm going to quickly grab it so get ready for five seconds of silence (laughs) okay I'm back um (laughs) so it's a it's a badge so I have a I have a Blue plaid swan dry jacket with a whole bunch of like badges and pins on it. Um, So on my sleeve, I have um, like a patch slash badge from a scouting trip I went to um, like nearly four years ago. Um, And this badge is the place where I got my name. So so I got um, named Compass there because they basically only remembered people's names via nicknames. So they just gave me Compass which, like, I don't know why. <laughs> it's but so like, cool. I mean, it's a really cool name. Yeah, and I'm very it. proud of it. Um, so it was just sort of like, when I first heard about this, I was like, oh, I don't know what I should bring because it's sort of like, I feel like being trans or gender diverse is such a internal thing mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. sometimes hard to attach an object to that, um, especially because I know that you could, like, you could make an art piece, you could make something like that um, so it's not, like, strictly, like, this is, like, <laughs> baby's first boy shirt. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was sort of, like, I was thinking in that way because I'm, like, mm. I'm not super artistic in, like, that medium. Yeah. Um, so I was more thinking of, like, oh, what was, like, a milestone, like, in my, like, journey mm. of myself. And I think my name has been probably, like, the biggest part of that because... Mm. I just really like my name Um, and I didn't realize that I actually had um, a badge from that trip and I found it while I was going through my room and I was like (laughs) well
1: perfect (laughs) yeah that's so cool yeah that's awesome
0: which is so cool um and I know that I've been chatting to some people and they were like actually I don't know what to bring because it feels like such an internal Mm. journey and it's been like really nice being able to talk to people and be like, actually, like, this was significant because, like, you were at this place when you, like, realized or figured out, like, what it was that you were feeling or, like, encouraging people to make art or something like that because, you know, transitioning isn't, like, linear and it just, like... It's different for everyone. It's important mm. to express that in lots of different ways. So That's Awesome. Yeah. That makes my heart sing. Let's get to it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I sewed it onto my jacket as soon as I found it because I was like, yeah, buddy, come nice. join the party. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's just like super cool. So I'm really excited to see what other people bring. Me yeah.
1: too. I cannot stop thinking about yeah. it. I'm really excited. I'm also, I'm really excited to see what like the elders bring and if there's mm. going to be maybe any like patterns and what i like a couple of them have talked to me about like photographs of their mothers and things which i yeah. was like really surprised like that's been the really cool thing is uh when people have started talking to me um about their ideas for what they might bring us the surprises that, yeah um and that's the awesome thing about it because like you say i think it kind of forces you to think about your own personal history in a different way when you have yeah. to think about it through objects and i think it's hopefully going to be uh really powerful and that i guess one of my major drives in really wanting to do this was that I do perceive there to be a lot of kind of um, rifts in the trans community. Mm. Um, For me, especially studying history and doing a lot of interviews with trans elders, I found that a lot of trans elders don't really get what trans youngers are about. And a lot of trans youngers don't really get what trans elders are about. And that kind of breaks my heart a lot. And I've been so lucky to do these interviews with trans elders and sit there and have them tell me their stories and like support my work and that's been you know it's the most amazing process and it really like has um i just can't even put into words how much it's meant to me to mm. be able to listen to those trans elders talk and so i kind of hoped that with this that would kind of replicate that in a, in, a, in a different way, but it would mean that, you know, trans youngers get to listen to trans elders and trans elders get to listen to trans youngers. And yeah. it kind of puts everyone on an equal playing field because everyone just brings one object and you tell the story of that object instead of being like, I think trans people are trans only if they're blah 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 or whatever, yeah. you know, like everyone's experiences of being trans is so different and so unique to them. And mm-hmm. I think, I hope that through this we can emphasize that but also the fact that like uh, equally as much as everyone's experiences of being trans is different we're still all trans and we all have that kind of common bond and we are all um you know whether or not we're binary or non-binary we're all gender diverse and you know we're all exploring our genders in that kind of way that cis people just haven't so it's a cool i hope i hope that it's a, a cool way to kind of Bring everyone together and create unity while also emphasizing diversity. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. The...
0: And I think as well, it's sort of I like the point you just made of like instead of it being focused on like trans people are like have to fit into this box and have this. Yeah. Um. It's sort of like looking at these are these per- these people's personal mm. experiences. Um. And the way that they've figured out their gender mm. or come like, I guess come to terms as like an appropriate way to say it even yeah. though it's sort of like eh. yeah but like yeah of like it takes away that like pathologization mm, of trans people that mm. we get so much mm. of it just being like we're humans with our own mm-hmm. journeys and it's not about like whether you tick these boxes or not yeah. it's about who you are as a person
1: yeah absolutely and i should say as well um the, like if anyone listening wants to look up the Museum of Transology, if you just Google the Museum of Transology, it's a, a British project by a trans guy named EJ Scott, who's like one of my heroes, so cool. Um, and that was kind of mine and to Papa's inspiration for this because they've kind of uh, I think his is a um, like a moving project. Like I think he it, it's not a it's not like a a brick and mortar museum. Mm. It's uh, kind of Traveling. Travels, travel that's yeah. the word. Travels around the place, um, and the like. Various objects that people brought to that was really amazing. Um, and I actually, it's such a small world. I have a friend uh, who was a, a, a friend of mine way back in primary school. We used to pretend to be Harry and Ginny. We were like, you know how queer people always kind of <laughs> we find each other. We find each yeah. other. I I had a I was ten years old and I had the biggest crush on <laughs> on them and they're doing they're living in Brighton and they were working with EJ Scott which I only realised recently um, and. Uh, their their project was that they got everyone to bring together objects and then they created an art project out of all those projects that's so like,
0: cool like i mean out of
1: all those objects yeah. yeah like made a whole big which i was like that's so cool it makes me nervous from a history perspective because i want to preserve those objects yeah. but I... yeah yeah <laughs> but, but, but i also think yeah. the fact that they're, <laughs> like, <laughs> they're still being preserved but just in a, in a in a different way which yeah. is so awesome and i actually i need to talk to them more about it cuz i i don't want to i don't want i should maybe i shouldn't say more in case i do I I don't uh, have we haven't had our skype talk yet yeah. so <laughs> um but <laughs> yeah. that's really cool so it's been really cool to yeah like and i feel like i have those links to yeah international things as well i haven't talked to ej scott but I might do because yep, my friend maybe. from primary school knows that you just got so <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah.
0: And I I I love the idea of that of like, you know, everything becoming like a collective thing. I yeah. enjoy that. But I do understand what you're kinda of like <laughs> itself, it. Itself, my it. first thought was like, Oh my god <laughs> But it's yeah, yeah it's really yeah. awesome. I I also have to say I really enjoy the idea of like people writing down their stories or telling their stories to go with those objects because I think I think going into it is gonna be I think we're going to get some weird objects, to be honest. I think we're going to get some things we're like, I don't even know what this is. I'm really um, hoping someone
1: brings a dildo. Someone yeah. talks about it. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do it, get some... do it, do it, do it, do <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: yeah, but it's sort of like, I think as well, connecting stories to those instead of mm. just having, like, objects. Mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful as mm-hmm. well, of saying, like, this thing, this dildo... Has like significance to me, (laughs) like that sort of thing. Yeah, and I think that's gonna be it's gonna be so like, I mean, it's gonna be a really emotional day on the 17th with everybody sharing their stories, um, which I'm so ready for. (laughs) I'm so ready to like hear people's stories. Get ready to be emotionally vulnerable. (laughs) I'm gonna cry, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah, but I think that's the thing as well that I'm really looking forward to is like, um, I totally agree with what you were saying before about there being a big rift between, especially like older people in the community and younger people in the community mm. simply because like obviously our language has evolved mm-hmm. over time and like i think as well where we are at the moment we have different like some of our priorities are the same but they have changed in mm. a lot of a lot of ways of like you know we're still fighting for human rights which like I can't believe it's not happened yet. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. it is sort of like, we yeah. do have other focuses as well. Yeah. Um, And I think it would be really good to sort of like, for all of us to say like, this is where we're coming from. Mm. This is what we need. And like, talking about that and being able to like, close that rift yeah. between those two groups. um, And I think as well, it's sort of like, it's really encouraging as a younger trans person to say like, oh, this person is like, quite a lot older than me and they're still trans yeah, like because it's absolutely. so it's so drilled into us that it's like yeah. oh it's just a phase it's mm-hmm. you know um you're like this for like two years and then it's gone mm-hmm. whereas like seeing older people in the trans community is sort of like no this is like who we are yeah and like even though our identity doesn't have to be solid it's sort mm. of like that doesn't mean you get to invalidate it or absolutely anything no. like that yeah yeah
1: yeah I definitely I mean, it's so that's what's I guess so kind of um, dear to my near to, near to my heart about this whole thing, and just in the research that I've been doing is trying to figure out a way that we can have conversations about the progress that we still need to make, while still acknowledging all the process that the progress that has been made, mm-hmm. and you know being thankful to our elders for that because they did do so much and they've been so underappreciated for it and especially because a lot of it you know hasn't necessarily especially you know if we're looking back to the 60s and 70s 80s it hasn't necessarily looked like trans people you know marching down the street with a placard that says trans rights now yeah but that doesn't mean that they weren't political it doesn't mean that they weren't even if they didn't think of themselves as being political it doesn't mean that they weren't initiating change in terms Mm -hmm. of kind of being visible or humanizing what it meant to be trans or just being themselves, being proud, being flamboyant, not being flamboyant, you know, like all of these different things that they were doing, that they were doing that it was pushing forward, um, or, uh, trans issues. And then, yeah. And it's just so important. I, I've lost my train. Yeah, that, that's all <laughs> but good. Yeah. yeah. And I guess I get,
0: I get what you're saying though, of like just existing as a trans person, mm. um, especially like, A couple decades ago was like dangerous Mm. and really foreign to a lot of people Mm -hmm. and through them just existing and Mm -hmm. being themselves we're in a time now where we can have like protests and say this isn't right and you're like violating our rights as human beings and we deserve you know equality and equity and all that sort of thing so it's really important to acknowledge that even if trans elders like you know, didn't go to protests every week. They still helped us get to a point where we could protest.
1: Yeah, I yeah. mean, we would never be doing it without them, right? Yeah, never. They're so yeah. They've just done so much for us. And then there are those elders who have been protesting, and there are those elders that yeah. have been creating organisations and things, or even if it wasn't like a or, or nightclubs and things. You know, yeah. those were really important community centres for us. And I kind of. I guess in my research, that's what I've seen as being like the foundation for this all was building community. And I mm. think that that was kind of one of the major things that um, a lot of those trans people, especially uh, trans women of color who were sex workers in the yeah. 60s, 70s, they re- 80s, they really came together in terms of creating like nightclubs and night spaces and housing each other. And like, you know, they literally were putting roofs over each other's heads and... Um, you know, as much as obviously there were definitely riffs. So I'm not, it wasn't like a, you know, totally romantic safe space yeah. for everyone, but there's always going to be when you've got, it's a close yeah. group of friends, right. But, um, you know, they really, yeah, I think they, in creating community that was like kind of laid the foundations for everything that's come afterwards. So, and it's all those kind of trans elders who are still here who did that. Yeah. Um. Well, not, not that all of them are still here, but you know, a lot of them are. But then I think that the, the the really hard thing for me, probably one of the hardest things uh, for me doing oral history, trans oral history, and talking to trans elders has, and this is certainly not the case with all of the trans elders I've talked to, but with a few, they've talked about how they don't like what the current trans generation is doing they don't understand like why we are being so loud about and complaining is Mm. a word I hear a lot and actually not just from trans elders from a lot of queer elders as well um I hear you know they keep saying to me that we just need to be more resilient why can't we just you know be strong why can't we just uh gain more resilience um and ignore what people are saying and Mm. move on and live our lives and I kind of You know, that's been that kind of quality of resilience, even amongst the trans elders who haven't said that has kind of really shone through all the interviews that I've done. And I think that that comes back to the fact that, like, for, like you say, in that kind of era, that was kind of the most important form of resistance was just to be resilient, to live yeah. was a huge, you know, to look after each other, that was huge, that was like a political act in itself, and it's only because they did that, that we can now look to other thom- other forms of resistance, like uh, petitioning and protesting, or, you know, whatever it is, that advocating um, all of the stuff that Al Aotearoa do, all the stuff that Inside Out does, you know, it's only um, because they did all of that, that we can now do what we're doing, but I, I think a lot of them, I don't know if they see that, and yeah. that's I, I talked to one trans elder, um, and she was involved in gay liberation in the 1970s. Uh, she was at the very first gay liberation meeting in Wellington, and she mm. was telling me that the generation before hers thought that they were doing too much, too fast, And then she said later in our interview that she thought our generation was doing too much too fast. And I was like, hang on. Yeah. That's a little hypocritical. Oh my gosh. I thought she was going to slap me. But then she burst out into laughter and she was like, oh, I suppose I've hung myself there. But anyway, I just don't really understand what's going on. And I was like, oh, like. How can I make it so that you can understand, and how can I make it so that people my age understand what's going on there? Because it definitely goes both ways, and mm. it really like hurts me when uh, to think about um, the way that my you know our elders are hurting when they're not feeling listened to and stuff. But then yeah. there are obviously other elders who are perhaps not so kind yeah. in the things that they're saying on public platforms, and that gets really hard because you get enough of that from outside, mm. uh, let alone when it's coming from the people that you look up to. Yeah, um, I feel like I just it on I'm so no, that sorry. was no.
0: That's good. That's why you're here, Will. I hate I to remind you, but like you're here to talk. True. Yeah. Um, no, but I completely agree with that, and I think as well when we look at those different like forms of resistance, it like becomes very clear that those different forms of resistance also like, you know, separate us more. Of like, mm-hmm. if you like, if a trans elder like invalidates non-binary identities, non-binary people aren't just gonna like lay down and let yeah. it happen like the way we you know Absolutely. are resilient and the way we resist is about like calling people out and mm-hmm. holding people accountable mm-hmm. whereas i feel like you know maybe that's something that isn't super familiar to older like generations especially because like now we have social media and we are able to like actually you know form mobs hmm. to hold people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um so i feel like it is sort of you know we have to appreciate each other's forms of resilience Absolutely. and each other's forms of resistance because those are also what tear us apart as mm-hmm. a community and form that rift of we need to be able to appreciate that in order to, like, actually communicate with each other. Absolutely. We can't just shut each other down yeah. and, like, say, you're not allowed to say that, you can't do that. Instead, yeah. we have to have, like, a conversation and share our stories and mm-hmm. share where we're coming from. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. And it gets, you know especially when it's coming from non-trans queer elders who are saying things like oh you know you've got it so easy nowadays Mm. and like absolutely in so many ways we do in so many ways we do but we also do have challenges and a lot of those challenges are you know things that are you know like with um with trans exclusionary radical feminists who you know use words like feminist to describe themselves Mm. and how do you you know say we need to cancel an event it's called feminism 2020 when people read that headline they're like oh what why are you canceling a feminist event well it's not a feminist event it's you know and then we explain but they're so tricky with their language yeah and it's you know then they use argument of free speech but they don't even understand free speech and they don't even you know like it's it's those kinds of battles which are i think not that they didn't happen uh back in the day but they are things that i think again we could benefit from having solidarity with Mm. our elders more because i wonder if they might um if they were able to see that what this is going on yeah they might have things to they might have advice but even if not that you know it's kind of recognizing that um our battles even though they all have the same root cause are kind of have a different face now or you know things like like all these rainbow flags everywhere which like on the one hand I'm like love seeing a rainbow on the other hand when it's the police force of the rainbow yeah I don't yeah you know I don't I I don't like that I don't feel good about that and it's like kind of trying to manage those conversations it's like a lot of elders are like but you know back in the day they used to beat us up, and now oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. It's oh, all sorry. good. It's
0: all good. You're, uh, we've just come to the end of our time, so um. But I agree with like everything you're saying, and we're going to continue this conversation in podcast form. So you can find us on Spotify, iTunes Music, and Podbean, and you can also listen on our website, InsideOut.org.nz. Um, you've been listening to Speak Up Radio on 106.1 FM, and we're just you know. Chugging on. Chugging on. on. Straight on. Yeah. Welcome to the loyal ones. (laughs) Welcome. Yeah. All right. Yes. Anyway, the police. (laughs) Let's go.
1: (laughs) Let's go. Okay. So I guess what we were talking before, we were talking about kind of um, homonormativity or pinkwashing, which is the idea that, um, you know, uh, kind of corporations State institutions like the police and even whole governments um, use kind of a gay friendly image in order to kind of advance their own. Um...
0: Yeah. Do you want to move slightly to oh, the sorry. left? Yeah, sorry. sorry. I, I was like yeah, <laughs> looking around to... Uh, I, but I just like want to see your face. Okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I was looking around to see <laughs> your face. This is me. When I made you. <laughs> Welcome to the unedited podcast. Oh, is this yes. unedited. Uh, yeah, oh, I, won't no, sorry, this <laughs> I won't edit this out. I won't edit this out. Oh no, sorry, people. Yeah, everybody, everybody's <laughs> gonna know that Will Hanson didn't use the mic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah, okay. but yeah. Um, Homo-normativity. Yeah, homo-normativity.
1: Yeah, corporations, state institutions, governments using gay-friendly image in order to uh, kind of make their image more positive and get people on board Mm. even though um, they're not actually doing anything that is uh, good for queer people or if they are it's only for the queer people that they see as acceptable. Mm. you know, whereas actual queer liberation involves dismantling capitalism, yeah. dismantling the patriarchy, like uh, solving the homelessness crisis, solving yeah. child poverty. Like those are things that are, you know, the refugee crisis, like get rid of the borders that yeah. helps queer liberation Um, and things like, you know, marriage equality are a step forward. Absolutely. But they're not they're kind of. The end or be all. They're not the end or be all. And a lot of the time when we focus our discourse solely around what rights we're getting, even though it's so important, you know, things like decriminalization, things Mm. like having, you know, the abortion law reform, having it say, you know, trans, I mean, not so trans, uh, having it say, you know, uh, pregnant people instead of pregnant women, those things are absolutely important. But uh, when we only focus on those kinds of things, we can risk thinking about, um or we can we can risk only focusing on um, seeking acceptance into these institutions, which have been built with yeah. our exclusion and our oppression. Yeah, you know, uh, as
0: a foundation, as a foundation, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so. I I think that's one of the things that, like, I feel like, obviously, as a rainbow community, we sort of have this end goal of like being able to exist Mm. but I do find it quite interesting when I see different rainbow people being like I just want to like you know integrate into Mm. like society Mm -hmm. instead of being like we need to like create a society where nobody has to integrate because they're just like that's just how society works yeah um and I think as well like those sort of things they lean so heavily on like racism Mm -hmm. on capitalism on elitism Mm -hmm. of like if you are a cis white person um even if you are queer in some way Mm -hmm. like you still have a leg up you still have privilege in some way shape or form um and i think it it's about dismantling that and saying like we as a a collective rainbow community need to Mm -hmm. work together and that in includes like the people that are living below the poverty line Mm -hmm. people of color disabled people um we need to work so that everybody in the rainbow community with all of their various intersections can exist together yeah and i think a lot of the time that's where things like you know turfs and elitism and you know the whitewashing of sexuality and gender and sex Mm -hmm. is sort of really toxic and adds to that and sort of creates even more rifts in the community as well yeah
1: absolutely and that's kind of i we keep on talking about these rifts and things which is it's a kind of it's it's sad but it's true it's kind of been one of the defining features of all of the research that i've been doing and like so the current project that i'm i'm working on for my masters looking at kind of trans politics in the 70s and 80s um trans communities and there were you know there are a few different communities buzzing around but there were kind of uh, the kind of two big ones were like the uh community of that kind of revolved around the world of night spots like uh, mm. who were predominantly you know trans people who were sex workers and women of color um people like Carmen people like Chrissy Witoko uh all of the people really that are in that uh, exhibition that's on at the National Portrait Gallery, New Zealand yeah. Portrait Gallery, whatever it's called, the Portrait Gallery. I think it's Which you're London, in Wellington Portrait Gallery. Wellington Portrait Gallery. Yeah. You should definitely go check yeah. it out because it's the it's, best thing ever. Yeah, it's
0: just on the waterfront near the train station, and yeah. it's like it's free as well. It's, so like, it's so good. Honestly, I really recommend it. It's it was really nice to go through that I went through with a a friend of mine, and it was sort of I don't know. It was I always just find it so nice when I see like especially trans things in places that normally aren't yeah of like yeah it was just really nice to go through there and see that and also it's like I was looking at like the collages like up on the wall and I was looking at it and I was like there there was like I think in one of them there was like this picture of like a person painted entirely blue that (laughs) it didn't it didn't look like a picture I think it was like a, a cut out no like that's an inside joke that i don't understand (laughs) and that just sort of like enriched the entire experience of like these people were actually like real and we actually get to see their stories here and wonder why there's a blue person in this and
1: they were real and they were funny and they were joyful and they were doing all these fun awesome things yeah and i think again that's part of it as well as that so much of the histories that we're being taught when we are being taught queer and trans histories is that they're histories of sadness yeah. and dysphoria and born in the wrong body and everything sucks and yeah you know but it's like actually there were also histories that were really wonderful and equal parts sad and happy um and it's so important and that was what i think i took away from the exhibition at the portrait gallery is just like you know you can see how much fun they're having in yeah. all these collages and see how good friends they are you know a lot of them are still friends to this day mm. you know 40 years down the track it's like this is really lovely um
0: yeah I, when i think about like even my own personal journey with queerness and i think as well like some other people will be able to relate to this if like there is like I feel like there is a divide of, like, when you're, like, a a little baby queer, it's sad. And you're, like, everything is sad. Everything you... Like, even in the media, everything you see around queerness is, like, traumatic Mm. and sad and, you know, ends in sadness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there is, like, definitely when you become... Like, when you get a bit older, when you, you know, Mm. feel a bit more comfortable and true in yourself, it feels more like a happy community. Yeah. Of, like, I feel like there is that... Yeah. you know stages of queerness on like <laughs> how happy you can like allow yourself to be of like yeah. you don't have to focus on everything sad even though yeah. i think it's important that you like are able to connect to things of be like yeah this is awful and sad and it's okay to appreciate that but also you have to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel yeah. in order to like actually thrive as a person yeah, yeah.
1: and then I guess as well, and I oh to and to go back to what I was talking about before as well, like yeah. um, in terms of or well, to connect you to what you were saying just now about. Um kind of coming into community and finding happiness as well and then I think a lot of people come into the community and it doesn't necessarily fit well with them yeah or they meet a certain group of people and they're just like that group is just a friendship group and they don't necessarily click and it doesn't work and then they feel disheartened and um but there are so many different iterations of queer community out there but then that's also like to speak to what I was saying before like in terms of there was that kind of in the 70s 80s there was that one group who were kind of like the Carmen Rupe generation yep. you know and then there was um another group of of, of uh, trans women or trans people there were also trans men involved who were part of an organization named Hedestia uh, which was founded in 1972 in Lower Hutt by a transvestite named Christine Young um and it was definitely you know like a it's really hard to kind of think about because on the one hand it was you know, I, I don't doubt that the people who founded it and the people who continued to lead that group did so because they wanted to make trans people happy and they wanted to provide a community organization for trans people, but they only wanted to provide a community organization for trans people who fitted their definition of mm-hmm. trans. And their definition of trans was based on their whiteness. It was based yeah. on their um, status as people of the upper and middle class. It was based yeah. on the fact that they... Um, you know they were not sex workers they were they saw themselves as being sexually normative and that they saw themselves as purely heterosexual and they Monogamous were yeah and, yeah and they were i mean and to, to be fair this organization here they also um liaised with the national gay rights coalition they were an ally of that group and they unlike a lot of contemporary organizations overseas they did Uh, let homosexual trans people join and they did like they did normally say things like the majority of trans people are heterosexual but some of them are homosexual so at least they uh, they still allow for that possibility but on the whole you know they were really racist and classist yeah and the people who I've talked to who were part of that organization recognize that now and they reflect on that and they've you know been straight up with me and they said yep That's, you know, we, we looked down on them because they were sex workers. We looked down on them, um, because they were Maori and Pacifica and, you know, uh, and it's, you know, when I think there's kind of that difference between the desire to be normal and the desire to blend in and integrate, like we were talking about before, and then, wanting to define what normal looks like. And I think yeah. as soon as you start to define, define what normal is or define what trans is, you're automatically going to exclude
0: somebody, you know, other
1: yeah. people from that definition. And those exclusions generally happen along the lines of, you know, race, class, sexuality, gender, yeah. um, those kinds of things. So,
0: yeah. And I think that's interesting as well. Cause I think that's something, especially looking at queer history that comes up quite a lot of like, even um, like looking back to, like, Germany, um, like, pre-World War Two, mm. um, there was, like, a subgroup of gay men in the Nazi party yeah. who believed that every man should be gay, which was so rooted in transphobia and misogyny, mm-hmm. and obviously based really heavily in racism as mm-hmm. well, and I think that's something that's really, like, I think it can be tough for a lot of people to, like, reckon with, of mm. being, like, yeah, we're oppressed but we also oppress other people and I think that's kind of that's why for some sometimes it can be hard to look back at queer history and see those yeah. awful things. Yeah. And especially when we look back at like um maybe like queer icons like Anne Lister for example yeah. of like um she was probably a massive racist probably because (laughs) she grew up in the 1800s and was a landowner and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing and it's sort of reckoning with trying to be proud of queer history but also recognizing that that comes a lot of it comes from a place of racism Mm -hmm. and that our history is so whitewashed now because the stories from queer people of color Mm. have been marginalized by white people yeah and that's you know, and I think, like, there are some amazing historians doing awesome work to preserve those histories, but um, I think that's a, something to keep in mind yeah. as well while consuming, you know, queer history and queer media of, like, it comes from a European perspective yeah. a lot of the time. And Absolutely. Actually, I was thinking about this earlier of the... I think, like, um, like Western societies are sort of seen as more forward or like more liberated in terms of sexuality and gender yeah yeah exactly um at the moment and I thought about that because I was like I mean other like Aotearoa like Asian countries all those places um African countries as well they had like amazing queer histories but I feel like it come from a place of like we've taken away parts of their culture that they then have to reclaim in order to move forward and reclaim you know so many different parts of their culture as well which i was just thinking about and i I haven't done any research so i should probably do more (laughs) but it's sort of something i was thinking about of like you know we've overcome one oppression and we haven't had to reclaim our culture um in order to feel whole as people Whereas, like, a lot of Indigenous people need to reclaim what their gender and their sexuality means within their culture, mm. which um, Jay and Brett sort of talked about as we were doing, like, the um episode and that sort of thing. And it was just something I was thinking about. Yeah. And as well, not seeing, you know, history from, you know. Their own cultures as well. I think is a massive part of that, and not being able to say like this is who I am and being able to connect to that.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, and I so agree with the uh, connection you draw between um, Western countries thinking that we're these like liberal paradises that you know we're the best gays in the world. But yeah. also, homos- homophobia is a colonial, yeah. you know, product. The gender binary is comes from yeah. colonization. Transphobia, transmisogyny. I would call those colonial tools of power. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, and, and it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> our, um, oh, I don't know how to articulate this, but I, I kind of, I, I think that's why studying this history is really important and recognizing, like you were talking about the kind of, um, parts of our queer history that aren't good, because only through kind of thinking through those and talking about those and analyzing those, can we then move forward mm. and kind of, uh, figure out how to, you know, how do we not be like Hadespia yeah. and not yeah. not be racist and not be classist and have queer movements that are actually liberat- liberatory, yeah, um, li- liberatory, <laughs> I don't yeah. even know, liberatory yeah. for uh, yeah. for 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 everyone, um, yeah, yeah, and it's really interesting. I don't know an awful lot about it in detail but like the 1995 births deaths and marriages Mm marriages registration bill um it had a clause in it that said that um if you you could change the um, sex that was written down on your birth certificate, but only if you had sufficient medical evidence by recognised medical experts um, that showed that you can that you had the physical confirmation necessary um, in order to like you know yeah. pass or live as uh, the the nominated um, sex that you wanted on your on your documents, um, and, like, that locked so many trans people out of being able to get their correct, uh, gender on their birth certificates, or I think it was, yeah, it must have been birth certificates, because, um, a lot of them are, you know, I was talking to a trans guy who, you know, he couldn't get it because he didn't have bottom surgery, and that, so he didn't have, um, the physical confirmation required, and a lot of people, locked out of that because even if they want surgery they can't afford it and a lot of those same people who can't afford it are you know people who are of a lower class and people like who are of a like a you know a classed and a racialized background mm. um so it, you know like it's it's promoting a certain idea of transness and good transness that is only accessible to the people who are already most privileged yeah um does that, did I explain Yeah, that? and I guess yeah. it,
0: like, starts that cycle again of, like, mm. normalising, you know, um, certain classes and um, certain races as well. And that sort of, like, f- it all feeds into each other mm-hmm. in a way and, like, it continues to feed um, those rifts and that discrimination and oppression against certain groups of people, mm-hmm. um, which is, like... And I think we've make, made a lot of, like... You know, we made a lot of progress, but mm. I think there's still so much that's like we have so much further to go. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was thinking about it a bit earlier, but we had to, to stop before I got to like say my thought of um and I've forgotten it again, so um, but I'll try to remember it of like progress is sort of like a, a double edge sword because yeah. it's sort of like you progress far enough that maybe this one thing is like a little bit better but there's still like an entire mountain of things that mm. are awful but people think because you have overcome this one little hurdle, everything everything is better. Yeah. Whereas like you have to continue progressing until like there isn't that mountain of shit anymore. Mm. You have to um you can't just stop after the first hurdle because that all the rest of the issues in this Mm. sad sad dying world <laughs> is like you know yeah it still exists and we still need to get rid of that
1: yeah i guess for me the like the rainbow crossing is really indicative of that because it's like like when it first was announced and stuff i went along to the opening and i was like cool like they're talking about rainbow history and they want to commemorate it and that's awesome um you know justin lester came and gave a little speech but then like you know, it didn't take long until it's covered in black skid marks and, you know, seeing those just reminds, for me personally, it just reminds me all the people out there who still feel angry. Because I know, I mean, some of those skid marks probably happen through intentional road use, but a lot of them, you know, it takes a little, quite a bit of aggression to think to yourself... I'm approaching this rainbow crossing. I hate, you know, I hate queer people. I'm going to slam down on my, you know, and I'm going to make a skid mark on this road. Like it, it's a very conscious decision to make. And it's like, I think that that crossing from me really shows that idea that you're talking about, about the double edged sword and that like, you know, we're making gains, but also until we have, I think education Mm. and until we have, you know, um, actual resources that are helping the queer community pour that money into any number of queer or trans organizations instead of into a rainbow crossing right like yeah it's which the i mean what she said he was going to make some kind of gender center or something and did that ever happen oh um yeah i don't know if there were any actual plans or not but yeah uh, you know like it's all these all these places like the police and a bunch of other fletchers are more than happy to come along to corporate pride parades but they don't actually want to show up when it's when it's necessary to do so
0: and i think as well talking about the rainbow crossing it's i was there as well i was there with inside out and i remember while um like tabby and justin were like making speeches i remember there were like these like two or three like um cis girls behind us and they were like can this hurry up so that the drag queens can come back out really yeah (laughs) and i remember it so distinctly and it was sort of like i guess that's sort of like yeah you know hits a nail on the head of what yeah. you are saying of, like, we want to see queer things when it's entertaining yeah. for, like, cis or cis-hat people, yeah. but not actually going to do the work to back it up, Yeah, which is so frustrating because it feels like we do need both. We need visibility, but we also need, like, policies mm-hmm. and safety mm-hmm. and all those things. And one without the other is, you know, it's really really hard to achieve of like it's really hard to say this is a massive issue when nobody can see the issue but it's also like hard when everybody can see like all the happiness of the the rainbow community and won't admit that there are like still some really really awful things happening Mm. um and i think they sort of we need to be more aware of the fact that those two things need to go together and yeah yeah.
1: absolutely And I think when we need visibility as well, we need like thoughtful visibility, right? Like mm. we need you know, when it's when it's people like RuPaul who, you know, like <laughs> trans, trains Trains. <laughs> tra- trains or trains? Yeah. I don't know. Um yeah. you know, like that's not that's not helpful. Um that's yeah. not actually, you know, yeah, I think, you know, things like, like the work that like people against prisons out are doing is so much more vital too queer liberation than things like, you know, having yeah, rainbow crossings or, or people who are willing to throw trans people under the under the train <laughs> 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 under the bus. Yeah. Um because yeah. they you know, it's too tricky. Mm. We've already done enough, can't we, you know? Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. But it's all those are all it's all you know, it's such complicated issues and it's a mm. thing that's really hard to Talk to people about, um, especially people who've done so much fighting, yeah. and they don't, you know, they 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 don't want to have to, yeah. or they do, but they don't,
0: yeah,
1: not necessarily in the in the same way that a lot of younger people want to.
0: Yeah, and I feel as well, like it's exhausting to continuously fight. Yeah, it like is. at some point you're just gonna like burn yourself out or be yeah. like, I can't yeah. fight anymore. Like you yeah. do need respite and stuff like that and i think as well through like working with inside out and doing workshops and those sort of things that's it does come up of like we're trying to explain issues that are so interconnected Mm. and so like a lot of the times are quite complex as well um and trying to like simplify them in a way that people that don't know anything about the rainbow community can take away Mm. and i think that's what's Difficult mm. about um, educating people about rainbow stuff is that it's so complex and it has massive history. Mm. It has massive political connotations. It has connotations for the way people act and um, the way our society works and the businesses that people go. Mm. Like there, there is there are so many connotations that you have to think about. Which I think, especially for cis het people and um, like queer people that are like upper class. Um it's basically saying like in order for you to be like a good ally mm. or in order for you to actually help with this liberation, you have to give up these things yeah. that, you know, are luxuries, like yeah. those sort of things. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to be like, Why should I have to give that up? Why? Well, mm. like because if human they feel decency support like for it as well, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. As yeah. Yeah, especially if they feel like they've worked for it. Yeah, which yeah. in many cases yeah. they have, they but have, it's but... also like, yeah, you know, you don't need a gold-plated toilet. You know, <laughs> like you can. Yeah, it's sort of like what was that thing that Ellen gave to
1: <laughs> Melania Trump? <laughs> she gave she gave them like a a gold and fully gold um... Um, hotel room. No, no, it was a fully gold. Uh, what's it like a trolley stroller. for a baby stroller? stroller. Yeah. yeah, fully gold.
0: Yeah, which is yeah. I think that's like another thing <laughs> of. You know, you can learn as much as you want about the rainbow community, but you need to back that up with your actions. And I think that's, for people that come from privileged places, that's hard to give up, Mm -hmm. but it's a step that we need to start taking. And I think that's really like confronting for a lot of people as well. So it's really, it can be really hard to dumb things down enough (laughs) um, in order for people that feel like they're being attacked by it yeah yeah
1: for sure yeah and i mean it's something like like i feel like I, I, it's it's such an important thing to do like for me as as a as a white you know trans masculine person to continually be like i'm always learning and to always be keeping mm-hmm. that in mind it's so important and like i am so nervous about you know letting my ego get in the way or what's like letting my like privilege getting in the way not of not seeing things right or uh if i'm taking up the space that i shouldn't be taking up Mm. like if this history should be written by me should it be written by someone else um and part of my motivation for continuing to do it is just that i don't know anyone else that's going out and really recording those stories of elders so i want to do that because you know they're elders they're not going to be here forever and but then am i should i be you know all of those kind of things which you know, I've been told it's important to just keep those th- kinds of things in mind that, like, just thinking about them is important in itself, but so often doesn't feel like enough and it just feels yeah. hard to, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's... I think
0: I think as well your work is sort of unique in the fact that you're, in a lot of ways, you're not telling your own story, is like you're collecting other people's stories and I think that does give you a lot of power over whose stories yeah. get told. Which is so yeah. nerve-wracking, because I just yeah. don't want to get it wrong. I want to do the right
1: thing, and I want to, yeah. you know, make sure that I'm honouring everyone's legacies mm. the best way possible. And I am so aware of the power that history has and the power that, you know, just that... The, Yeah. And then I'm not in the trying to be aware of the fact that I'm probably not going to get it right. And hopefully in 20 years time, someone will come back and look at my master's thesis and will go, actually, that was wrong for these reasons and do more work and fix it up. And, you know, that's, you know, something that I I hope happens. Um. Yeah, I, and, hope, I mean, yeah. I hope that I don't get things yeah. <laughs> wrong, but I know that I just I will, because yeah. every historian, I, I think, does. Yeah, but.
0: and I think as well that goes back to, especially with the the rainbow community, language changes so much. Especially yeah. language of like the language that was used like during the the '70s and '80s mm. It's definitely not the language we use now. Mm. Which is like when you look back on like historical documents or anything like that, they'll use words like transsexual or transvestite, where like nowadays i don't know a single person that uses those terms for themselves because they're seen as slurs which Mm. whether they they were used as whereas people who grew up in a time where those were like used quite often have reclaimed those words um in a way and i think i think that's going to happen no matter what people do of like language is going to evolve to be more inclusive to be more you know representative of Mm. as many people as it can be Mm. um and I think it's about, like, being respectful in the moment and appreciating that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think when it comes to looking at, like, historical documents and when it comes to talking to elders, like, most of the elders that I talk to, a lot of them use the word queen, a lot of them use the word transsexual. Um, I haven't talked to anyone who currently uses the word transvestite, but um, a lot of the Tim documents Curry that I'm from reading... from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Tim Curry, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the, you know, a lot of the... Um, the documents that I read, like from the organization Hadestia, they identified it as Transvestite and that was the word that they used and that's awesome. And it's like kind of thinking about um, the fact that like like I went on I went on a Rainbow Walk Tour, one of the Pride N Z the the Rainbow Walk Tours that go on uh, on the I think it's the first Sunday of pun me of every month, every second month. And you should definitely check them out if you go yes. to Walk Tours N Z. They're run by um, Gareth Watkins and Roger Smith and they're the best ever Uh, definitely go but anyway I went on one of those walk tours and someone who was about my age was like oh you can't be using the word transsexual and it was kind of like well the person that they were talking about does use the word transsexual and that's totally cool but then being mindful that you say when it's words that are in things like legislation or that are in you know truth articles Mm -hmm. that are like super just not okay not even okay at the time but certainly not okay now and I find it like I really enjoy (laughs) When I'm writing my, you know, type typing out my thesis and stuff, like, uh, not even using the word trans sometimes, just being like, these woman or this man, or blah, blah, yeah. because I think it's important for when people are reading that to, you know, like, that was who they are. Yeah, yeah. I not, not not using the word trans yeah. in a kind of in a negative or shameful but way. It's but it's like you don't like, need to use it
0: all the time yeah. because this is just who they are. Yeah. It's like you don't need a prefix all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Like
1: this group was a group of women, for example, and like it doesn't need to Yeah. <laughs> they don't always need to be a group of trans women because they all identified as women. Yeah. And actually the two that I talked to from the particular group that I'm thinking about don't identify as trans at all anymore. Um so it's like muddling all of that language out and figuring it out and yeah. um making sure i'm trying to make sure that i'm like consistent in the ways that i use and i you know i don't use uh if if a source document says something like um biologically male you know i don't i don't use that i'll say um assigned you know assigned male at birth or you know and then then i'll maybe go on to quote the rest of the article or if i do you if it isn't a quote then putting in a footnote and explaining it and discouraging other people from using it and stuff yeah. Um. Because uh, yeah, it's I guess so. Yeah, I guess it's that difference between uh, trans people who are using words that we might not necessarily be using or like today versus like
0: yeah
1: other people using there's a, yeah. There's yeah. a
0: total difference between reclaiming a word and yeah. like just using a word without understanding where it comes from. Yeah. I think as well that's what we we're seeing quite a lot of people reclaiming slurs. Mm. Um, like queer. Yeah. Um, to like. You know, I know, like, even I personally use queer just as an identity marker. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, maybe it's because, like, our generation has a little bit of distance from when that was yeah. used as, like, a slur in a really violent way. Yeah. Um, Whereas, like, some people, like, did grow up in a time where, like, slurs were used in such a, like, in such a violent way, in such a, in a way that was so oppressive and mm really like impacted people um where we don't see that so much today i think we we definitely still see slurs like gay being used as a slur and that sort of thing um but i do think it's different now of like um so i find that really interesting and seeing how people have reclaimed that and use that for themselves um and i think as well that's always something to be mindful of while Mm. talking to anybody in the rainbow community of like i'm gonna i use this this reclaimed slur for myself, yeah. but that doesn't mean I can use it for anybody yeah. else. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And kind of like on that note as well, I was just thinking about, um, you know, I was talking to a trans elder recently, or, or a, 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 a yeah, or a, I'll say trans elder, a trans elder recently who um, she doesn't mind, she, she she calls herself like either a woman or a transsexual. Um, so when I use the word trans for her, I mean like transsexual, transsexual woman. But she doesn't like the use of the word trans as like an umbrella term Mm. because she doesn't, she didn't like the idea of being lumped into the same category as she's the word transvestites. She also doesn't like, you know, non binary people. And I think that for that kind of generation of trans people, so many of the misconceptions that the society had about transness, you know, they kind of saw transvestites as only in it for like sexual kicks and they saw trans like Queens as only being in it, uh, like as prostitutes and only Mm. using it as like a gimmick. And so like transvestites didn't like Queens because they felt like they were being stereotyped as sex workers when they weren't. And Queens didn't like transvestites because they felt like they were being stereotyped as only in it because it was a fetish and they weren't. And like kind of, um, not being connected with one another and so not kind of coming at it from I guess that collective like actually all of these things are not you know yeah the stereotypes are wrong but um kind of doing that in a way that ended up kind of meaning that they didn't like the other group and so then when I was organizing this project for Te Papa and talking about you know like this is going to be a space that is inclusive of non-binary people and stuff and thinking about you know friends I have who you know, have beards but also wear makeup and, like, how are some of these elders going to, yeah. you know, feel about being in the same group as these people who they see as giving trans people a bad, you yeah, know, rep, yeah. which is, like, so hard because I'm like, no, this, like, these are some of my best friends and yeah. they are trans and it's yeah. just different ways of thinking about trans. Um, But, yeah, those words yeah. hold so much power for people, I guess is what I'm getting yeah. at. I feel like I lost the plot of it. No, <laughs> no, that's
0: a, no, that's, like, so true of, like, I mean, we all know that language is super powerful, but, like, the language that we find powerful now is different. And I think as well, like, the way we look at gender liberation now is so different from the way that we look at gender liberation, like, back then, Mm -hmm. of, like, maybe, like, gender liberation like back in the 70s or 80s was definitely more of a binary thing of like you feel liberated and being able to be like a binary gender that Mm. you weren't assigned and being Mm. able to express yourself in that way whereas I feel like now and obviously that wasn't true for everyone Mm. like there were a lot of people that were like you know probably non-binary but didn't have the language for it whereas yeah I feel like now definitely a lot of gender liberation comes from saying you don't get to put me in any sort of box or like yeah you don't I get to put myself in a box and nobody else gets to do that or like not even thinking about gender of just, so I feel like liberation of language Mm. and of gender itself, is super different Mm. now, which can be tough to reconcile when it's sort of like, maybe like, like that, like it feels like maybe trans elders haven't gotten the liberation that they wanted to see, even though like, the younger generations are still working towards, like, in essence, it's the same liberation Mm. of being able to be who you are. Mm. It just looks different. Mm. Yeah.
1: It's really heartbreaking sometimes reading Hedestia's newsletters and things or, you know, reading all these uh, older sources because you can, like, read these people's personal testimonies and they're talking about how they don't understand where they fit because they don't really feel like a woman or they don't really feel like a man, and you know. But there's only those two options, and yeah. you know, it's really interesting thinking about like uh, some of the uh, the people who were writing for Hidesia talk about like why can women wear pants but men can't wear you know lipstick and stuff and yeah the, and trying to figure out like transmisogyny and trying to talk about it before having the words for it and like how much these words have helped but by the time a lot of these words have come into more public knowledge and more people knowing about them they've already you know kind of moved out of the community or they've not they're not in contact with it so much anymore or they've kind of found yeah. something else that is as good as it gets for them or or, or it is or that's something that is really great and that they like but that i don't know that they have defined they've fought so hard to define it in a certain way and as soon as it's challenged in even a little way yeah but it's yeah i don't know i just i, I have so much respect and so much um you know I just care so much about doing my elders proud and all I care so much about all the work that they've done and like it's I just wish sometimes I could like reach through the pages and just be like you know it's okay like we have this now and we have that now um but it's yeah it's real
0: it's I think as well like it's so tough when yeah when you're looking at people and you're like i have the words for that i can give you the words for that now but like it's you know it happened like 20 30 years ago and you know those people had to live so long without having the language for themselves and Mm. um i think as well you know it's that's where i think it's so positive that we have more language Mm. even though sometimes like there's so much language that you can't, you know, feasibly <laughs> know it all. Yeah. But I think the positivity that comes with that is that hopefully no one will feel like Yeah. I don't fit in anywhere. Mm. Cause even if it's like the nichest of all niches, like you still have somewhere to belong. Yeah. Um, which hopefully like I feel like that's what we're definitely seeing more of like we do have like smaller subsets of communities, which is like Sometimes it leads to like having rifts within the community, but also it gives people a sense of belonging and a Mm. sense of like um, solidarity with Mm. other people that like share their experiences and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I nearly cried. And I was like, I won't bore it. I'm emotional. Emotional. I'm emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Trans and emotional. Those are my two most defining qualities. (laughs) Trans and emotional. As I said, it's Trans Hype Month. It's Trans Hype Month. Yeah. Yeah.
1: November is Trans Hype Month.
0: November is Trans Hype Month. This is a PSA. Yeah. November is Trans Hype Month. That's also going to be the name of this episode. Trans Trans Hype hype Month. month. Trans History Month. Trans Hype Month. Yeah. 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 I guess um, we've been going for, like, a solid hour. every A solid hour and seven Sorry, minutes. Yeah, Look, at go. <laughs> Look at us go. Look at us go. Do you have, like, any final thoughts, anything else you want to get off your chest?
1: Oh, my goodness. I ask people that at the end of every oral history interview I do, and they're always like, oh, I don't know. And now yeah. I'm like,
0: oh, I get it. I yeah, yeah. I don't
1: know.
0: Um, I feel like there's so much that you're just like, I don't know what to pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know, just that I really, really care about trans history and I wanna do my best to try and preserve it and I think that everyone who's trans who's also living now is part of trans history, mm. right? As soon as it gets to tomorrow you're part of trans history, so you know, everyone's everyone's stories are so important and I wanna, you know, help preserve in as best the way I can everyone's stories and promote the preservation of trans stories. Um and if you're a trans person and you're listening, try and preserve your, yeah. <laughs> print out your photos, write stuff down, like send it into the Lesbian and Gay Archives. It's called the Lesbian and Gay Archives and the, well, the the English name of it is it's uh, Tipuranga Takatapue or Aotearoa, um, which is, I think, a much better name. and I hope we change it to that. <laughs> I'm trying to work on it. It's not just for lesbians and gays is what I'm trying to get. Yeah. At. Um,
0: yeah.
1: But yeah, it's history is important. Archiving is important. Museums are important.
0: Yeah. And, and I think as yeah, well, like that's my final. <laughs> yeah, I think as well, like even though we might not realize it now, like there are going to be like trans and gender diverse people in future yeah. that are going to like go through these archives and see this and be like, oh, those are my trans sisters. Exactly. Like, like they, are yeah.
1: Yeah. And future me's are going to be looking back yeah. at future, at Fu- past you. Yeah. The future me will I'll be looking re- back at past you, yeah. and if you ever run anything down, yeah. I'm going to yeah. have nothing
0: to lose. Exactly. The <laughs> well, future me is yeah. going to have nothing to lose. I think as well this is going to stop that cycle of people feeling like they're the only person in the world, yeah. feeling isolated, yeah. feeling like they don't have history, because I think at this point we refuse to destroy any more of our history, and we refuse to like let other people take their history away from ourselves, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm so like excited about the work you're doing, oh, and so grateful <laughs> for the work you're doing, because... You know, this way we know that, you know, we get validated in some way of saying, like, you're important enough to be in an archive, but also knowing that in future this is actually going to positively impact the way we think about, you know, ourselves i hope so yeah <laughs> well thank you so much for coming in it was so nice to chat to you, chat to you. um the will hansen <laughs> amazing yeah thank
1: you for having me and sorry everyone i rambled so
0: much. <laughs> <laughs> it was good i enjoyed every second uh, it was amazing <laughs> yeah thank you everybody for listening um kakitz.